but we are going to get into it. Let's just put the verse right up there. First John chapter two, verses seven through 11. Dear friends, I'm writing. I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Excuse me. God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you've caused it to be written. We want to thank you that we in this country have the freedom to proclaim it, to preach it, to teach it, and to read it. I pray, Lord, that, that we would not take that privilege lightly. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, you might notice that these verses here, they they might be split up a little bit, like 7 through 8 is kind of one section in your Bible, and then 9 through 11 is is kind of another section, though there's no headers or any new headers there, and... But for us, we have to take this whole text, 7 through 11, we have to take it as, as a whole. We have to unpack it the way John has intended it to be unpacked, to be understood, to understand it. And so that's how we're going to deal with it this morning. Now, this actually echoes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago when we said, we said how can we be sure that we know Christ? How can we be sure that we are in fellowship with God, that we are in fellowship with Jesus? And what John told us was, first and foremost, we examine our own lives. We take a look at ourselves. If the Holy Spirit has transformed us, if the life and the light of Christ is within us, we are going to have certain postures within our hearts. And those postures in our heart will cause us to live in a very specific way. And that's what he, that's what he introduced to us two weeks ago. We said, he said, you have to examine yourself. See what's in your heart. And see how that is manifested in your life. You see, if the life of Christ is in you, then the life of Christ will manifest itself on the outside. And that is a test. That is, that is a test that we can hold to ourselves if we truly know Christ. Now remember, he said that this is not about following the rules. This is not just about following the rules, putting them on your refrigerator and hoping you get to check off more than you don't check off for that day. See, rule following can be very robotic. This is a heart thing. This is what's inside in your heart. This is about knowing what you desire. Knowing what what moves you forward every day. Is your desire to honor the Lord? Is your desire to bring Him glory? 
Is that what's deep in your heart? Do you have a, a burning, a passion inside you to, to press in, to even, dare I use the word, to, to obey him? Is that what's, what's, what's burning inside you? Is that your passion every day, to live for the Lord? See, John says that's the test. This goes beyond just kind of feelings that you might have. Or, or remember, he's, he's speaking to a community that, that people have said that they've had some, some mystical, spiritual experience. He goes, those things, those things are okay, but here's a real test. What is in your heart? It's kind of where the rubber meets the road. And now he's going to push even deeper into our heart. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna just kind of dig even deeper. He's going to address the love that we have, us here, that we have for each other. He's going to talk about the love that we have for the brothers and the sisters of faith. The love that we have for the church. Now we always have to keep in mind throughout this entire letter that John is concerned with our relationship with God. He's concerned with it. He's writing about it. He's addressing it. And we all know that there are things in life that can get a hold of us. There are things in life that, that we take part in that can hinder our relationship with the Lord. There are certain postures of the heart that we can, uh, we can take up. And those certain postures will lead to very specific behaviors. And those behaviors will hinder our relationship, not only with God, but with each other. And here is one of the postures that he wants to address. Are we loving the brothers and the sisters? And I would say that if we are not loving each other then there's something wrong with our hearts. And if there's something wrong with our hearts, that something can hinder our relationship with God. Now, this goes beyond just our church oasis. This goes, goes into big church, capital C, all of the brothers, all of the sisters. Do we love each other? But it is addressing us here today, this morning, how we love each other as a community. Because if we can't do it here then we've got no chance of doing it out there. I mean, in real, uh, uh, concrete ways. If we don't love each other here, then, then we got we got nothing out there. And so he writes the first few verses. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have heard since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. As, as, we, as people press into this text a little bit, uh, there, there could be a little bit of uh, um, you know, a feeling of being a little bit puzzled, maybe being a little bit confused. Because he says, you know, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. Oh, by the way, yeah, I'm writing you a new command. And, and, and so we have to kind of look beyond what, what he's saying. We have to dig into a little bit what he's saying about this old and about this new. Now, if we look at John's gospel in chapter 13, John is in the upper room, or, um, Jesus is in the upper room with, with his boys, and they're, and they're having a dinner. And Jesus tells them, a new command I give you, love each other as I have loved you. 
So we see this idea of a new command I give you. Love each other as I have loved you. And again, we see it here, this new command. But yet, but yet it's an old command. So is it an old command or is it a new command? Well, I would have to say, as, as we consider Scripture as a whole, it is both old and it is something new. It's something fresh. So in essence, what John is telling us is not anything really new. You should know this. As, as people of the church, you should know that we're called to love each other. That's, that's nothing new. In fact, they even wrote songs about it, of, of loving, you know, that, that song, you know, and they'll know we are Christian. That's the like, lamest excuse, uh, example I can come up with. But you, you get the idea. I mean, they write songs about Christians loving each other. And then people will know that we are Christian by the way we love each other. If you've been around church world, I mean, they teach you that right out of the box. Many people are attracted to church world because, man, like, like people are really nice there. And, and, and you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to dress up in a suit and tie to come to church. Well, that's our church anyway. We're the better church. But, but anyway, you know, and, and I could just be who I am. And so this love thing isn't really anything new. He's not adding anything to the gospel. It's just kind of a, a gentle reminder that we're to love each other. It's old news. It's old hat. And it's very important that we understand this to follow Jesus. We have become part of a new family. And as part of this new family, we are to love each other, all of those that God has brought into this new family. This is what the scriptures teach. This is old stuff, man. Leviticus 19 tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. God commanded that. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus tells this command to his disciples in John chapter 13 to love one another, he's reminding them of what the God of Israel has told the Jewish people already a long time ago. That you are to love one another. The, the Jewish people were separated as God's holy and chosen people. He created a new family and he commanded them. Listen, man, you, 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 gotta get, you got to love each other. You got to get a hold of this. And yet within these old, this old command, there is something also new. Something that's, that's fresh going on. Because now... Because now it's possible to live this thing out the way it was meant to be lived out. See, Christ came into this world. And he lived in this world. And he loved in this world. And he moved through this world. And he taught and he hugged and he laid hands on people and he prayed for people. And then he went to the cross and he was crucified. And he, was, he died on the cross and he was buried. And then he, he was raised from the dead. And so this command now has, has this, 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 this whole new depth of, of sacredness and beauty. And it can be, it can be realized. Look at verse, verse 8. He says, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him. Its truth is seen in Christ, in Jesus, and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. A new command to love the brothers and the sisters, to love the community, to love the church. And now it is made possible because of Jesus. We can now love the way God has commanded us to love. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. We have his example. You know, as, as I read through the Old Testament, 
and you read those stories and you read about the people and you read about those communities, they really had a difficult time loving each other. I mean, they, they, they had, they, they were just kind of at odds a lot and people didn't like other people. And there was all this kind of fighting, very uncommon to the way churches act today. But, but, but I mean, back then they didn't have what we have today. And, and, and so, you know, there's, there was, there was tension. They had a difficult time fulfilling the command that God had given them. But now in Christ, that law, that command is fulfilled, Now in Christ, he has fulfilled it. He has lived this command out in perfection. He has given us the example. He has shown us, love each other as I have loved you. We can love each other exactly the way God has intended us to to, to care for one another. To care for the brothers, to care for the sisters, to care for the church. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he came to fulfill the command to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And because of the law, this command is realized, has come to fruition, has been fulfilled in Christ It is now in each one of us. Yet I'm writing you a new command that's truth is seen in him and in you. And in you. So, uh, you know know what that kind of means? Great question. Let me tell you what that means. Jesus has made it possible for us to love each other. You get that? I, I know I'm kind of, kind of, kind of uh, drilling that into you, but I want you to understand this. Jesus has made it possible for us to love each other. So you know what that means? We have no excuse. If we have received the life of Christ, if we have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will love the brothers and the sisters in the community. Not just in word, but in deed. We will love the brothers and the sisters in the community. And we will love them the way God has originally called us, intended for us to love. And so when you consider, when you consider this idea of loving each other in the context of, of the law, <coughs> excuse me, that, that, that God commanded, say, in Leviticus 19, and in Jesus, in John chapter 13, we can see that it is both old... And it's both new. God commanded it. And in Christ, it is fulfilled. God has commanded it in Christ. It's been fulfilled. Jesus comes to this earth. And his presence in history has ushered in this this new world order. Everything changes. Everything has changed. Because Jesus came to this world. Jesus walked this earth. And it's it's such a... a, um, such a big change on a monumental scale, but yet it, it could be as simple as the difference between light and darkness. Look what it says, the second half of verse 8. Because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining, there has been a shift in all things Peter will write the same thing in his letters, that in the past we were not a people of God, but now we are his people, and we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Ephesians chapter chapter 5 says, Once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
Live as children of light. This is because of the work of Christ that we have been ushered into light. We've come from darkness and we've been brought into this marvelous light. And and because of this idea of darkness and light and that we're to walk in the light, if we've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, if the life of Christ is in us, then we walk in this light, then we have to begin to deal with the second half of this text. Let's just, verse 9 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light... Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister is still in darkness. And then verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 11. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. You don't know where you're going because the darkness has blinded them. Now we've, we've already kind of established this. And I know it's probably not politically correct to say, but I don't believe in political correctness. Because this is what the the scripture teaches. That those who do not follow Christ, those who have not allowed the transformation and the power of the Holy Spirit into their heart and into their soul, they, they walk in a realm or a kingdom of darkness. And I know that's hard to hear sometimes, but, but this, is what the scriptures, this is what the scriptures teach us. And not only do they walk in this, this darkness, but they are blinded with the spiritual blindness. They, they, they are in a kingdom of darkness, and they walk blind through that kingdom. Now, now hear me. I need to be very clear on this. This doesn't make them mean, nasty people. They're not walking around looking to kick puppies and punch babies. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. They can be very good people, very morally sound, very caring, very giving, very generous. But they walk in the darkness Because they do not have the light of Christ. And this is very important for us to understand this morning. Because when you surrender yourself to the transformation of the Holy Spirit, when you surrender yourself to that light, you are brought from that place of of darkness. And you are brought into the light. You were brought from that kingdom of darkness and you've been ushered into a kingdom of light. That's the first thing that we have to understand. And the second thing is, it's on a very personal level, it's on a very individual level, that, that we are no longer filled with that darkness because the light and the power of the Holy Spirit is now illuminating us on the inside and pushing back that darkness. And so we have been changed on a personal level also. We have now, we, we, we are no longer blinded and now we can see this light and we can engage it and we can walk in it. We have to get this. We have to understand this. It's not just a spiritual geographical repositioning that, that, that changes us. Oh, we're in the kingdom of darkness. Now we're in the kingdom of light, which is very true. But something takes place within us. Something changes within us. The light of Christ changes us. And so, knowing this truth, understanding this truth, things can get a little bit intense for us. Because, again, we have no excuse. If you possess the light of Christ, man, we we have no excuse but to love each other. The proof, the proof of the life of Christ within us is made known by the way that we love the brothers. 
and sisters, by the way that we love the church. We do not love to earn our salvation. We do not love to get God to love us. We love because we already possess salvation. We love because the Holy Spirit has illuminated our soul and we know that we are already loved and we just can't contain that and we want to love each other. We don't love to earn. We love because we've already been given. Are you tracking with that? Are you following that? It's very important to understand. And John is very clear. Very clear. If you don't love the brothers and the sisters, you don't walk in the lights. If you don't love the brothers and the sisters, you walk in darkness. And the darkness is within you. And, and, and I know that those might be some hard, tough words to hear. See, it's not our intellectual argument that makes us a Jesus follower. It's not that you have all the correct theologies and you can, you can quote chapter and verse. So you can, you can have all of the knowledge. You can be able to defend the faith and you can still be a, an arrogant, unloving doofus. Maybe, maybe you have met people like that. Maybe, maybe you are that person. It's not the intellectual pursuit of Christ that changes us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that changes us. Let me say this. Loving each other is more important than being able to argue the faith. Loving each other is more important than knowing all the correct theological assessments that run throughout scriptures. Loving the brothers and the sisters, dare I say, is even more important than you trying to follow all of the rules. Because you see, like I said, rule following can be very mechanical, very robotic, even, even prideful. The Pharisees prided themselves on following the rules. And no one else could follow the rules except them. Yet they lacked the transformation of their spirits. Jesus said, you're filled with dead men's bones. Yet they followed all the rules. Loving the brothers and sisters is more important than that. To love the way Jesus loves, it, it, it takes something from the inside. It takes something from the inside out. You can't fake it for very long because eventually that harshness and that critical spirit will make its way to the surface and the truth will be told. In that text in John 13, Jesus he said, if I, the master, have washed your feet, and Jesus got down and washed his disciples' feet, if I, the master, washed your feet, how much more should you desire to wash each other's feet? How much more anxious should we be to serve one another, to love one another? Not just, not just again, to, to click off the, mark off the, the, your list, but this is coming from, from the heart, to belong to him, to really belong to him. That's the type of life that we'll live. That we love each other. Now keep in mind, John is writing to uh, 
to, to people who have claimed to have this deep mystical spiritual experience and they know better and they know all this stuff. They know God much better. And these other people are like, really? We, we, we're missing out on something here. And, and, and so this, this group over here seems to be all uber spiritual and the other ones are like, wow, we're, we're, we missed the boat. You know, we, we didn't, haven't had that experience. And John said, you know, those things, yeah, they're, they're okay, but they, it doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want to say. You can go to church. You can sing with your hands up in the air. You can even wave them every once in a while if you want. You can, you can be part of every ministry. You can regurgitate chapter and verse like it's your job. You can look all polished on the outside and look good on Sunday morning. But on the inside, if you don't love the church, the people in the church, you walk in darkness. You know, the world is able to hide itself quite well. The world is able to produce this superficial love and patience and kindness. And, you know, it's all kind of candy-coated, sugar-coated. But if you pay attention, I mean, if you really pay attention and listen carefully, you will hear the things that are said about people. You will hear the things that are said to people. There's this underlying current that says... I'm going to treat you exactly the way you treat me. If you're going to treat me good, I guess I'll treat you good. If you're going to treat me bad, you will feel my wrath. And so um, Paul writes in, in Titus that, that the people of the world, they're, they're hateful and they hate one another and they're selfish and greedy and jealous and they're, and they're filled with envy and, and malice and self-centeredness. And the world will mask all of that with just this, this pretentious fake smile. But I say to you, how much more can those things be masked by a spiritual pretentiousness in the church? You see, the sad part about it is darkness walks around the church every Sunday morning claiming to be Christian. Verse 10, John writes, Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. I want to I take this right now and I want to kind of bring it to the, to the negative. I want to talk about the people who walk in darkness. People in the church who do not love the brothers and the sisters they will stumble. And not only do they stumble, they, they, they cause other people to stumble with them. That unloving spirit causes them to stumble and it pulls other people into the darkness of, of that drama. I mean, I know you've met people like that. The, the, the people that are always seeming to find fault with other people. They always seem to find fault with, with them. And they're always pointing their finger at them. And those people are always causing the trouble. And look at what they're doing. And drama just seems to kind of follow them around as they, as they blame other people. There's always something or there's always someone that's upsetting them. And it's their fault that they're upset. They're always being insulted by like imaginary insults that, that, that never take place. But they're insulted by it. 
Did you hear what that person said to that other person that said to the other person, that really insulted me. And so they always live in this, this place of, of contention. And they're always right. And everybody else is always wrong. Let, let, me, let me just tell you this. And this is free. I'm not going to charge you for this one. If you're that person, the only consistent thing in all of your failed relationships is you. But those are the people that walk in darkness. And they cause other people to stumble. Because like, like you don't know how to deal with that person. I mean, you know how to deal with them. Sometimes you just want to, you know, point and, and, you know, a little in the name of Jesus in the eye or, or something, you know, kick them or you get sucked into their dysfunction. You get sucked into that darkness and you begin to treat them the same exact way that they're treating other people. And that's why they cause other people to stumble. We get drawn into that. People get sucked into that lameness and and that critical spirit and that gossip. My prayer for us as a church, I mean, I believe that we have a very loving community here. I, I, I really do. But my prayer for us as a church is that during Lent, we would examine ourselves and see where that darkness lives in us. Because none of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. All of us still need the grace and the mercy of God through Christ. My prayer is that we would examine ourselves. Where have we traveled down that road? And that we would repent. That we would repent and ask for forgiveness. And we know that God is gracious and he will forgive us. I think we, we just can't leave it all in the negative. We kind of went through what, what these people, those people look like in, in darkness. Uh, I want to unpack a little bit what that person looks like that does love the brothers and the sisters. Because I think that's important. What, is it, what does it look like when a person is walking in that light? What does it look like when that person has allowed the Holy Spirit to transform their heart and their soul and they begin to live in a different way? Well, first of all, I'll have to say that, that what governs their lives is the gospel. What governs their lives is the gospel. And that allows them to live differently because they have been changed. It allows them to live beyond circumstances. It allows them to, be, to live beyond, beyond the things that are happening around them, behind the chances and behind the accidents. Their eyes have been opened to the beauty and the sacredness of what it means to follow Jesus and to be part of a community of faith. You know, there's something about that person that, that other people just want to be around. There's something about that person that other people, they just want, they want to talk to them. And they're willing to share their brokenness. They're willing to share, like, like deep down hurts with them. Those are the people that you can tell are walking in light. They, they bring out the best in others in, in real, down-to-earth ways. Those who are loving their brothers and sisters, they understand the true nature of sin. They know its weight, and they know their own sin. And they're aware of it. And they understand that at one time, they lived right there. That they walked in darkness. They walked in that darkness. They, they, they were that person. They were filled with that hatred and that envy and that self-centeredness and, and that strife and that malice. They were once that person. They know 
they realized that they deserved hell. But by the grace and the mercy of God through his son Jesus Christ, they have been redeemed. Unmerited, undeserving love. They recognize that. That's, a, that's the central posture in their soul. That they have been redeemed. They didn't deserve it. They are loved beyond what they can ever understand. A love that they don't deserve. And so as they look at people, they, they see themselves. When they look at people, they can see past the symptom and they know the disease. Those people walk in the light. And because of the light of Christ in them, they are moved and they're saddened for them. They have compassion on them. They desire for them that they too would know the love of God. They too would know redemption. They too would know what it means to walk in forgiveness. They too would know what, what being whole and put back together means. They would know what it means to be delivered from your sin. And to walk in light, to walk in grace. Remember, we're talking about the church here. We're talking about people in this building. People in other churches that are meeting all over the place. You know, the ones that we don't get along with because they do those weird things. That Those are our brothers. Those are our sisters. Even the ones that get on our nerves are our brothers and sisters. And I will guarantee you, you have gotten on a brother or sister's nerve yourself. And we recognize that. But we live from a different place. We live to desire to bring glory and honor to God by, by, by walking in this newness that we have. By walking in the light. To love in real ways, deep ways, sacred ways. That's what it means to walk in the light. To forgive as we have been forgiven. Oh, now, wait a minute, Dennis. Now you get Okay, I got the love thing, but forgiveness? C.S. Lewis wrote that everyone loves forgiveness until they have to forgive. I, I want to read you a, a story Jesus wrote, told about forgiveness. It's in Matthew 18. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, as he began a settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold is about 20 years of your salary. So this guy was in debt. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had would be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who'd owed him a hundred silver coins. That's about a hundred days worth of work. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me. I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he can pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went, to their, went and told their master everything that had happened. 
Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled, I canceled all that debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't, you've had had, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. Do you realize that you do not deserve to be forgiven? But by the grace, mercy, and the love of God through Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. By faith in Christ, you have been pardoned. Your debt, a debt you can never pay back, not in 20 years, not in a million years, has been pardoned. How much more should we treat our brothers and sisters in the faith that way? Some of you Some of you have come from different churches because you've been hurt. I love that you're here. I pray that you stay here. But maybe there's work that you have to do with some brothers and sisters. That you would forgive. That you would love. That you would reconcile. Will we love others same way that Christ has loved us. See, if we possess the life of Christ in us, then it will cause us to live in a certain way. If we possess the life of Christ in us, we will be loving our brothers and our sisters. God, I want to thank you for your word and that you've caused it to be written. Lord, I pray that we would learn how much we are loved, how much we have been forgiven. I pray that we would, we would see ourselves as you see us in Christ with his righteousness. And that we would grow in our love for each other. And that we would grow in our love for all of the brothers and all of the sisters. That we would grow in our love for the church. Thank you that you love us beyond what we can ever understand. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I really do. I'll see you next week.